Good morning, everybody. My name is Justin. I'm the pastor here at Grace. Uh, you know how Casey always says, or always has said, that I start with like this story that has no connection at all to the sermon. Uh, well, we're going to have one of those stories this morning, and and so so here it goes. Just, I'm just going to read you a text thread. You on the way? I completely messed up my. This is in all caps. I completely messed up my calendar. I thought it was next week. I'm so sorry. No worries. I'll wing it. I might still have you come next week, but we'll touch base later today or tomorrow. Please, 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 please. This is still in all caps. Forgive me. This has never happened. Please tell the elders in the congregation that I'm sorry. Please allow me to make it up to you Sunday coming. Please. So that was from the guy that was supposed to preach today. So this is going to be interesting. Um, I, uh, I had a uh, seminary professor one time who always said you should always have a sermon in your back pocket in case something kind of crazy happens. And believe it or not, I kind of had this weird feeling this morning that I should be ready for this, and then I didn't get ready for this. I, I ignored that feeling. So at about 5 till 10, I started panicking a little bit and said, um, I think I need to go find something to say this morning. So since we, uh, the catechism was on the Eighth Commandment, and I am semi-prepared because Google is your friend, and I have a copy of a sermon I did on the Eighth Commandment five years ago on my phone, um, we're going to talk about the Eighth Commandment this morning. And I may be squinting a little bit, so that's what that's about. Um, if you see that happen anyway. So uh, let's start with Scripture, Exodus 20, verse, verse, what verse is it? Oh, Google just said something went wrong. Hang on a minute. Okay, we're back. Exodus 20, verse 15. This is, this, you guys are always complaining about how long my texts are. This is your day. Exodus 20, verse 15. This is the word of the Lord. You shall not steal. Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, um, thank you for opportunities to trust you uh, and to believe that you really are at work in our lives, even when we're not ready for it. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would uh, use the preaching of your word now to, to strengthen and encourage uh, and edify us and to cause us uh, not just to be people who uh, take things, uh, not just to be people who, who don't keep things. Help us to be people who give generously. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So a, a couple of things off the, the bat here. Um, one... The Bible assumes a right to private property. Uh, that's just kind of, otherwise you couldn't have a commandment like "Do not steal." This is not this is not our phone. Uh, this is this is my phone. This is not our water bottle. This is this is my water bottle. So, the Bible assumes a right to private property. Secondly, though, the, the Bible, and we'll get into this more in a little bit. The Bible assumes, well, the Bible says that this is all God's stuff, and we are stewards of it. Okay, so in a sense, this is mine, but in a more ultimate sense, this is all God's, and I am simply a steward of what he has given to me. So I want to say three things about the ninth commandment, not the ninth commandment, Where, how did I? 
Hang on a minute. Good grief. Google used to be my friend. Well, there's the Eighth Commandment. About the Eighth Commandment. So, first of all, the commandment, do not steal, is telling us, do not take what is not ours. Uh, uh, many years ago, people kept stealing the jerseys of South Carolina's football team. I have no idea why. But people were, people were, just kidding, Walter. People were stealing these, people were stealing these jerseys. And so USC put on these jerseys, property of USC. And that just made people want to take them more because now they were cool. And so the way they fixed this was they started putting all this stuff in the, in the fan store that said property of USC so you could actually buy it. Kind of the, the capitalistic way to deal with theft. Um, stealing is taking something that doesn't belong to us. You know, whether that's a shirt or a television or a car or whatever. If you really want to do a deep dive on, on what, all, what all could be considered theft, uh, I would encourage you sometime not to look at the shorter catechism, but actually look at the, the larger catechism. Uh, and you can do this, I always tell people, if, if you don't feel like you're much of a sinner, if you haven't been feeling convicted lately, uh, then just look up the larger catechism and their exposition of the Ten Commandments. They, they, they go for days about ways that we violate these things. And I'm, and I'm actually going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to read a little bit uh, of this part. So some of the things it lists are theft, robbery, man-stealing. Uh, you know, the, the, the slave trade wouldn't have been a thing if people had just kept the Eighth Commandment. Uh, receiving stolen property using false weights and measures, um, removing landmarks is one thing it lists, unfaithfulness in contracts, usury, uh, charging excessive interest on loans, engrossing commodities, engrossing commodities to enhance the price, uh, which I think means if you have a monopoly on a product, that you cause an artificial shortage in order to jack up the price. And they said that, you know, dude, that's actually stealing. Well, they didn't say it like that. Um, there's a reference to depopulations where in the Old Testament, Isaiah condemns the people, the wealthy people, for going house to house and field to field and basically taking all the land and forcing those without means off of their land. Uh, it, it would pro prohibit things like Stealing the answers to a test so that you can cheat on the test. Stealing money from your parents who are paying for you to be in school because you're not taking it seriously. That, that's a form of theft. We don't think of that as being a form of theft, but you're actually stealing from them by not working hard. Um, scripture tells us to do our work as unto the Lord. We, you know, you, ever, you can steal somebody's moment when they start telling a story and you're like, oh, wait, wait, I got a better one. And where we, we suddenly make it about ourselves. Uh, pirating software, shoplifting. All of these are forms of theft. All of these are forms of taking things that are not ours. Um, every year in the petrified forest, people will steal wood. Some of this petrified wood. And they get home and they feel guilty about it and they... They send it back with a note. This is, I'm really sorry about this. And so the Park Service, to try to discourage people from stealing, stuck all these notes up everywhere. It's like, this is going how you're going to feel if, if you take this wood. They had a problem with people stealing more wood. 
Because there's just something in our hearts that's prone to take things that are not ours just because we've been told not to take things that are not ours. Uh, St. Augustine, kind of a famous passage in his confessions, talks about stealing pears not because he was hungry, not because he didn't have the money to buy pears, but just because they were there and he knew he wasn't supposed to. He said, I stole something which I had in plenty and of much better quality. My desire was to enjoy not what I sought by stealing, but merely the excitement of thieving and the doing of what was wrong. I just wanted to do what was wrong. And so if I see something that I want to take, even if it's not mine, my heart can come up with a way to rationalize the taking of that thing. So the commandment is saying, don't take the things that aren't yours to take. But the commandment is also saying, don't keep things that are not yours to keep. Uh, wealth and possessions are gifts from God for us to enjoy. So whether it's, you know, whatever coffee you enjoy at Pharmacy Coffee, whether it's a, it's a great vacation, you know, a trip to the beach, a nice car, whatever it is, these are for us to enjoy. There, there are wealthy believers in the Bible. And so if you have wealth, you shouldn't feel guilty about having wealth. But God doesn't give us wealth simply for us to spend that wealth on ourselves. Um, It's for us to use to serve him and to serve other people as well. Uh, Ephesians 4.28, we're called to labor and not to steal so that we can have Uh, something to give to those who are in need. Uh, We're told by Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, don't store up for yourselves possessions on earth. Uh, The rich young ruler, if you remember that story with Jesus, he's told to sell everything he has and give to the poor because Jesus was putting his finger on what was an idol in the rich young ruler's life. Uh, Paul tells us, Uh, that godliness with contentment is great gain because riches can get you really tangled up and pull you away from Jesus. And so he tells the wealthy, you need to be generous. If you've got wealth, you need to be generous with it. And you need to be ready to share what God has given you. So specifically, here's some things the Bible says. Uh, We won't read these, 1 Thessalonians 4 uh, we're to work to provide for ourselves so that we don't have to be dependent on others. So, so work is a good thing in the Bible, an expected thing in the Bible. We, we shouldn't try to be depending on other people. Secondly, the Bible says, 1 Timothy 5, um, it's not for you to keep it all, but you're to provide for others with it. In particular, 1 Timothy 5 points out members of your own household, Right? Take care of your family with the wealth God provides. We're not to keep it all, but the Bible repeatedly tells us to give to the poor. Uh, Deuteronomy 15, Galatians 2. 2. Uh, Paul meets with the other apostles in Galatians 2 and says, you know, guys, we just want to, we just want, only thing I'm asking you is, is that we be allowed to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. Now, one of the reactions we have sometimes to these commands in Scripture 
to be generous, especially to the poor, is, is something along the lines of, well, they got themselves into this situation. And, and, and I just want to read a, a couple of quotes along that kind of speak to that. Um, you know, we should be thoughtful about how we give, and we want to try not to enable people. But man, we all take advantage of Jesus' generosity all the time, right? Like this, this whole thing is by grace. It's by mercy. It's not because we got all our junk together. And so we always want to err on the side of being generous and merciful, even if we want to be thoughtful about how we're giving. But but B.B. Warfield said this, Now, dear Christians, some of you pray night and day to be branches of the true vine. You pray to be made all over in the image of Christ. If so, you must be like him in giving. Though he was rich, yet for our sakes, he became poor. And I just, I've actually been thinking about that a little bit this morning, like, Following Jesus is a call for me in many ways to, to make myself poor so that others might experience riches, spiritual riches, however you want to think about that. We're constantly kind of, I want to make sure I'm safe. I want to make sure I'm comfortable. I want to make sure everything's all right with me. And Jesus just kind of turns all that on its head. Like, I want to give to others my time, my talent, my treasures, the gospel is helping to say, hey, it's not about me. It's not about me. But Warfield keeps going. Here's some objections. My money is my own. Answer, Christ might have said, my blood is my own. My life is my own. Then where should we have been? Objection number two, the poor are undeserving. Answer, Christ might have said, they are wicked rebels. Shall I lay down my life for these I will give to the good angels. But no, he left the 99 and came after the lost. He gave his blood for the undeserving. Objection three, the poor may abuse it. Answer, Christ might have said the same, yea, with far greater truth. Christ knew that thousands would trample his blood under their feet, that most would despise it, that many would make it an excuse for sinning more, yet he gave his own blood. Oh, my dear Christians, if you would be like Christ, give much, give often, give freely to the vile and to the poor, the thankless and undeserving. Christ is glorious and happy, and so will you be. It is not your money I want, but your happiness. Remember his own word. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And then Chrysostom Put it this way, just as an official is an imperial treasury, if he neglects to distribute where he is ordered, but spends instead of his own indolence, pays the penalty and is put to death, so also the rich man is a kind of steward of the money which is owned for the distribution for the poor. I beg you to remember this without fail, that not to share our wealth with the poor is theft from the poor and deprivation of their means of life. We do not possess our wealth, but theirs. <clears throat> the church father, Basil, it is the bread of the hungry which molders in thy cupboard. It is the garment of the naked which hangs useless in thy chamber. It is the gold of the poor 
which lies rusting in thy chest. So we're to give, not keep, but to give to the poor. A fourth thing we're not to keep for ourselves, but we're to give to God. You can go back and look at Malachi 3 later, but God accuses the people of Israel of robbing him. They're like, well, how are we robbing you? He's like, well, we're not giving you tithes. You're keeping your money for yourself when God had required them to give a tenth. Uh, so not to tithe is actually to rob God. Now, a question that gets asked a lot is, all right, well, that was in the Old Testament. What about in the, in the New Testament? And, and I'll just answer it this way. How much more clearly do we see the grace and generosity of God than Old Testament believers do? Like they had this vague hope of a Messiah to come. We have seen Jesus. We know the generosity of Jesus. How much more should we also, or even more so, be generous? Um, if you're trying to, to wrestle through that, what, what I tell people is, is a couple of things. One is, tithing is kind of like the Sabbath in this. The Sabbath is trusting God with your time. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a day off, and the world's still going to keep moving, and God's still going to provide for me. I don't have to work 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I can, I can stop and trust God. And God actually commands us to stop and trust him. Tithing is kind of like that. And like we're looking like, I don't know if I can make ends meet if I give this away. And God is saying, trust me in this. Trust me to provide for you. And so giving money away is a great exercise in learning to trust God. If you're not to the point where you're able to tie the tent yet, uh, then I would encourage you just to start where you are. Like, if it's at 2%, do 2%. It's like, Lord, I want to get up to 3% in six months or whatever. Don't just bail on it because you're not able to do it. But it's also a good exercise in just, just to, to learn to live on less and not to, not to live maxed out all the time. My sermon just went away. I talked without it too long. All right, here we go. Um, so we want to we give to God. John Newton was, was asked by a young man, how much should I give away? And this was, this was his answer. So remember John Newton, amazing grace, converted slave trader. Take care of the necessities. Choose a standard of living that's barely decent. And then for every penny you spend on yourself, spend a penny on the poor. Now that may seem like, well, that's kind of that's excessive. But maybe that is a little bit excessive. But, but you, need to, you need to wrestle with these things. You need to, to, to wrestle with, what am I doing with my money? Am, am I actually being generous and using it as God was, would have me to use it? Or has it become kind of a pseudo-savior in my life? Where, where, where this is my Jesus, and this is what I'm always checking. This is what I'm always making sure is okay. Um, God has, has given us wealth for us to be stewards of that wealth. Uh, imagine the, the, the groundskeeper of the Atlanta Braves, right? And he's been taking care of that field, you know, for 20 years or whatever. And instead of thinking of that field as the Braves field, he starts to think of that field as my field. And so he plants an oak tree in center field and builds a beach on the third baseline and opens a bar at second base. He's like, it's, it's, it's my field. I'll do what I want to with it. No, it's, it's, it's not your field. It's not your field. You've been given that field to take care of it and be a steward of it. And so our, our money is, is the same way. We've been given wealth to be stewards of it 
and to use it in ways uh, to, to take care of ourselves, yes, and to enjoy, yes, but to be a blessing to the people around us. Well, the Eighth Commandment is telling us not to take what is not ours. It's telling us not to, not to keep what is not ours to keep. And then it's calling us to let wealth go. So how do I do that? And this is where we'll be kind of practical and we'll try to land this thing. Uh, how, do, how do I let go of wealth? Uh, number one, remember that it is a blessing, but it's also very dangerous. It can keep you from seeing your need for, for God because everything's fine. I've got what I need. I provide what I need. Um, it, it's easier, Jesus tells us, for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to, inherit, to enter the kingdom of God. Wealth has this way of grabbing hold of our hearts and pulling us away from God. You know, I think we, we, we ought to view it more like, like a, a Superman views kryptonite. Like, man, this is, I don't need too much of this around because this is going to be really bad for my spiritual health if, if I have this around too much. Secondly, how do I let it go? Remember that it's all going to rot. It is all going to rot. Um, everything that we're building up for ourselves right now, somebody else is going to get. We're not, we're, you, you, it's, just, it's just going away. It's going away. Thirdly, uh, wealth is not where you find life. Jesus is. And, and I think that's hard for us to get. I think our entire society is built on consuming and consumption. And we're just, we're just taught that in all the commercials from an early age, that this is the path to happiness is to accumulate stuff for myself. And, and the Bible saying, no, no, you'll find life in, in Jesus. Eternal life. Knowing him. Eternal life that goes on forever. You'll, you'll find life in, in giving away to others. Um, not by simply keeping everything for yourself. Kent Hughes wrote, every time I give, I declare that money does not control me. Perpetual generosity is perpetual de-deification of money. Generosity is, is when I give money away, I'm, I'm taking it off the throne and I'm allowing God to be where he should. Uh, fourthly, how do I let it go? I, I really have to believe that Jesus will take care of me. They're, they're, this is really a, a, a faith sort of thing. Um, you know, we can, we can tend to let our fears rule us in, in, in all kinds of decisions. Uh, and wealth is, is one of those things, you know, that we, we try to hold on to to alleviate our fears. Well, I don't, I don't know about this or, or, or I don't know about that. And it, it can become kind of like this security blanket like Linus carries around. Like, this is going to help me get through when everything else goes haywire. And so, to be generous, we have to learn to trust Jesus and not our security blanket. And then fifthly, uh, we've been blessed to be a blessing. All through Scripture, uh, we've been blessed to be a blessing. Uh, there's a story one time, it was from the 80s, this woman was the first woman to ever dunk a basketball, I think it was in a, in a college basketball game. And it was Division II, and 
you know, it was the 80s, they were a low-budget school, they didn't bring any cameras with them to that game, so it wasn't, they didn't record it. Nobody had it. But it turns out that the other team actually had cameras there and they had filmed it and they, they wrote them or called them or whatever and said, hey, can we, can we have the tape? And that coach said, no, you can't have the tape. You can't have that tape. Years later, uh, somebody, you know, was looking into this and tracked down the coach's son and asked, like, why wouldn't he give them the tape? And, and he said he was just hyper-competitive. He, he thought he would just demoralize his own team if this video got out of this woman dunking on them. But, I mean, he had been blessed there to be a blessing. This is an amazing achievement. All he had to do was hand the tape over. We, we've been blessed to be a blessing with material resources. And all we got to do sometimes is hand them over. Last thing, 2 Corinthians 8, 8 9. Uh, how can I let go? For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. Jesus became poor so that I might become rich. So I, I honestly think, like, how do I become a generous person? It's not, it's not in me or anybody else getting up here and guilting you about how much you're giving. I mean, we do need to know kind of what the biblical standards are, but I really think generosity comes as I see Jesus, as I see his generosity to me. Uh, and the more I see that, the more I'm going to be generous to others. Let me pray. Father, thank you for your word. Um, we weren't expecting to think about stealing this much this morning, but uh, evidently you wanted us to think about this. And so I pray that you would bless your word to our hearts. Uh, I, I pray that we would be careful not to, to take what is not ours to take, that we would be careful not to keep what is not ours to keep, uh, and that as we see the beauty of the gospel, we would be a people who willingly let go and use our wealth uh, to be a blessing to others. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.